0: You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Welcome back to the program. Hope you're having a lovely Thursday. Matt Rose, live in the Lacey Basement Systems downtown studio. This morning, joined by Peter Klein. Hello. Dumas, GVP here in studio as well. We're live in the Douglas Basement Systems downtown studio. Are you worried about Radon? We install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, you can visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Got a bit of an open segment here. We got Luke Gazik joining us in about uh, 15-ish minutes. You got about 10 minutes to burn here. We're gonna go through some trade proposals. Let's do it. Um, because here's the deal it's been a little bit quiet around the NHL offseason here for the last hmm, just a little bit. Well, granted, Sebastian Aho signed, Patrice Bergeron retired, um, Samuel Honzik signed. Despite all equally important things. All equally important things for sure. Um and as a result, we're going to try and uh, dig into a, a few things that have been thrown our way. Um, we, we kind of talked about this one in the first hour, actually. And we'll just start here right off the text line, nine six zero nine six zero. send a few in. But I've also asked GVP to create a couple of uh, trade proposals back in the first hour. So we'll see what he's uh, come up with. A little bit later on in the segment here, too. But uh, number one, uh, Matt Murray and a second-round pick to the Coyotes for future considerations. Now, we've already mentioned this. I don't know if the Arizona Coyotes are going to be taking on any more salary. No, I think their days of bringing in the hilarious
0: Voracek-Shea Weber contracts are over. I I think that they are now a team. And as you mentioned before, with the, the additions of Zucker and Kerfoot, um, and those types of moves like th- those are moves you make when you want to start winning hockey games. Yes. And so uh, I think that they are kind of in now the the mode where you transition out of the rebuild and try to be an actual competitive real hockey team again. So I don't think that they are necessarily going to, to go the route of just bringing in your bad contract.
1: I wonder who gets the next long term deal here in Arizona. Like Dylan Gunther's got to be the top of the list. He's got two more years left on his deal. Barrett Hayton's got one more year left on his deal. I assume they try and go something a little bit more long term there. But then you got Lawson Kraus signed for four years. Nick Schmaltz signed for three. Matthias Michelli just signed a new three-year deal, and of course, the Clayton Keller contract with five more years at just over seven million dollars. Um, I don't know if they're going to be giving out a whole bunch of long-term stuff right now. No. Because that's kind of what you do when you're in this spot of the cycle of being a bad team and trying to get good again. Get in some guys that help move the needle in the right direction, that understand what their role in the organization is going to be with some of the younger players. Yeah. Not have a bar that's set too high. Go out, get the job done, and, and try and just exceed expectations, right? That, yeah. That's what you to Go be an do. adult
0: in the room. Show the kids how it's done. And, yeah, get get some get the ball rolling
1: in the right way. How to enjoy a, a, a nice career in Arizona, which I'm sure isn't very hard to do to start. <laughs> but at the same time, having a, a veteran around to kind of lead the way is uh, certainly a solid one. Um, bup, 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 bum. Hmm, we also had one for uh, <laughs> hmm, Noah Hannafin. Hannafin and Backland to Florida for Matthew Kachuk. That one probably not happening. I find that one hard to think that it's going to happen. Yeah, I don't mind. I, don't I feel like he got a contract in Florida just so he wouldn't have to sign here. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah. And correct. I don't, I don't see Florida
0: trading away the guy who scored every overtime goal for them in the playoffs <laughs> this
1: year. Yeah, he but had a fine year,
0: hey? Felt like a guy who, you know, kind of has uh, roots now in Florida. Yeah. Entrenched, if you will, in the culture of the Florida Panthers. Bit
1: of a pillar. Yes. Bit of a pillar. Pillar is a good word for him. I, I, I said it during this, the run, but I'm like, the way that he's just taken over that team, I wonder what it means for Alexander Barkov. Can there be two big dogs in the kitchen? Is Alexander Barkov a big dog in that sense? You know, I what, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Barkov's been the captain of that team, unquestionably, mm-hmm. for four, five-ish years now. Um, now you have Matthew Kachuk coming in. And like you mentioned, absolute pillar in the community. Mm -hmm. completely took over. And now it's like, he he feels like the captain of the team. He
0: kind of does. Yeah. He's, he is absolutely
1: the face of the franchise. Yeah.
0: Like 100% face of the franchise.
1: And I just wonder if it's like, you know, for the players, even if they're like, okay, well one guy's got the C, but he's never been like the, he's just a completely different personality than Matthew Kaczak. Yes. Very much more. Not recluse, but just keeps a lot more close to the vest. Yeah. I would say. Yeah, so it seem, to seems
0: started. to be one of those like lead by example sort of fellers. Mm. And I, I, but like you would like to think that well, we just made the Stanley Cup final. Maybe the way things are going should just like keep going. But we understand like human beings are what they are, and so like those type of ego type things may come into play. So I, I don't know if it's going to be the thing that crumbles the foundation of the Florida Panthers. Yeah. Um. I also. I'm not anticipating another miraculous run to the Stanley Cup final, mm-hmm. but I, I, I do think that this is a team that if everyone can get along, they're, they're set up pretty well for a while.
1: Yeah, and I think that they should be able to get along pretty well. Like, you know, this isn't like a JT Miller type of situation where like you can tell that the vibes are bad from 65 feet up in the press box there. Right. This is something that's a little bit different where yeah, both these guys feel like, and, and like you mentioned, winning helps a lot of things. Yeah and they did do some good winning at the end of the year. Yeah,
0: so you wonder if those issues pop up, if they are all of a sudden, if they're the team that's surprise knocked out in the first round
1: or something like that, you know? One of the things that, like, with Matthew, he's he's a competitive dude. He seems to compete with his brother quite intensely. Yeah. His brother was named the captain of the Ottawa Senators. I just wonder if Math, mm. that's something for Matthew that he's like, now oh, I want to be a captain. Yeah. I want to mm-hmm. be captain of my team. That's very fair. And I <laughs> and I don't think that Alexander Barkov. I think he is a captain. Yeah, he's done
2: nothing. Yeah, nothing of the sorts to have that that, that letter taken away from him. Yeah, it's so. not like
1: he's aged out either. Yeah. right? no, like, it's not like a, two years older than Kachanov. Right, exactly. Well, like, it's it, yours now. Yeah, yeah. Well, like John Tavares is the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, but we're getting to the point where he's starting to slow down a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if he wants to sign another contract with the Leafs, by all means. It's gonna be way less money. Yep. And at some point during that contract, you might have an expectation that, hey, maybe it's time to pass that thing on.
0: Yeah, it's time for the, mm-hmm. the next generation to to take that one. But
1: as Barkov we said, is like the, three or four y- years younger than Tavares.
0: Yeah, the, these guys are the same generation. Like Barkov yeah. and Chuck, they're kind of they're twenty seven. A couple drafts apart. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Could be an interesting one. Um, the one thing I wonder there, Paul Maurice has a tendency to like really boost things initially and then wear out welcomes at times. Mm-hmm. I wonder how that relationship goes with, with like, how, how does he handle that sort
1: of a thing? What the timeline would be like there. Yeah. You know, like I think a lot of people understood that it was going to happen with Daryl Sutter eventually when he signed that deal. I think it just happened a little bit faster than people <laughs> Almost thought. Almost <laughs> immediately. Yeah. yeah. He had one good, one good year and then it was like, we can't do this. Yeah. No, then two guys said they didn't want to be guy. here anymore. And
0: <laughs> the whole thing went to hell.
1: Yeah. That's what a great way to put it. Um, we're not doing the rest on the text line. You guys are jokers. Um, but GVP, have you prepared anything for us? Yeah, I got a couple here. Okay, yeah. What do? You, what have you created? Uh, in your in your mind that you think might be good in, enough in to my kinda... beautiful brain? Okay. That's, um. Yeah. What have you got for
3: us? Patty was talking about it earlier. How he thinks that Logan Cooley was arguably the best player in that draft. I kind of agree. And one of the guys who you know had a lot of hype coming about him in that draft was Shane Wright. Mm-hmm. I think he's a little bit of a bust, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Just kind of gives me Yakupov vibes here or there. It's kind of a gut feeling. Ooh. So I, I got him on the move here. Oh, Seattle receives Eric Carlson. They're going to have to retain about yeah. 50% of his salary. Mm-hmm. And then uh, San Jose is going to receive a 2024 first, 24 third, and Vince Dunn.
0: And Shane Wright as well. And Shane Wright as well. Yes. Yeah, you know what? <sighs> If I'm San Jose, I say yes to that. Seattle is a team
2: that has been like maybe not as much as Pittsburgh and Carolina on the front, and maybe even Toronto as the front of Eric Carlson. But yeah. Seattle's been kind of poking around there as well, and they kind of want to make that big move, get an impact player in there, like because yeah. get a they, billboard guy. On their get a billboard line. guy, exactly. Yeah. Sell some, sell some jerseys, sell some tickets, and I, I mean they don't have any problems there. But yeah, I, I I don't know if they're ready to obviously sail away on Shane Wright just yet. Uh, I think they want to obviously see. What he can do—it's only been a, a handful of games in the NHL—and had a pretty good run in Coachella Valley to close out uh, his first professional
3: season. He was getting scratched in the playoffs. He was so.
1: there, yeah. Uh, but well, he, hey, and our our pal Jason Bukla—we had him on after he got sent back and was in the OHL playoffs—and he thought he was um, very underwhelming in the OHL playoffs after being sent back. And that's kind of the opposite thing you want to hear from a guy that you know you thought was going to stick in the NHL, yeah. didn't. Thought was going to stick in the AHL, didn't? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's always got sent back to junior, and also did not have great success there.
2: It's been a, it's been an odd player and, uh, from the start. Like he was he was messed up with the pandemic. He never played hockey. Like uh, when other guys in his draft class went but, out, yeah. and found ways to play, he didn't. He stayed. in The OHL didn't do anything, and then it kind of I don't know. It kind of when he, when the OHL resumed. I think you kind of saw that, like his, how his draft stock kind of dropped as we got closer and closer to the draft. That maybe this guy isn't that
1: top pick anymore. So, and other teams saw it too. Yeah, yeah, right. Three other teams he fell to four. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and appropriately so when you look at some the work the other guys have done already. But I think that's yeah.
2: that's kind of the framework. I don't know if if they'd want to move Vince Dunn because I think they'd want Vince Dunn around. What
1: I would have said is maybe you try and convince them to take Justin Schultz instead mm-hmm. and just retain less. Yeah, get to like a thirty three percent retention, a twenty five percent. Try and get Eric Carlson in at you know eight million dollars. Yeah, because. It, it, Listen, if the sharks are going to retain half, incredible, because then you got Eric Carlson at less than six million bucks. Which yep. which you take
2: for how many more years? As for, four more, four more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the
1: and, one, like, and I, I very forward. Yeah. I think Eric Carlson has many holes in his game. Yep, but at six million bucks, no, y- 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 yeah. you quickly you, you forget about those holes. You six million dollars worth of, uh, <laughs> of non-hole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gross. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, because no, that, that's he, two million more than John. Legit, Klingberg. us it, and I'm sticking with it. Um, <laughs> the, the the reason you would maybe need Dunn in there is like the Seattle does only have nine hundred forty three thousand dollars in cap space mm. for this season. They have twenty next year and fifty two mm. the year after that. Yeah, but for for this year tw- uh, twenty three twenty four, they're a little snug up against it. So if you are substituting Dunn for Schultz in there, you would need to make probably another move to get under that pesky would, little salary cap Would they want to move, wanna yeah, move a get guy get they just signed? Find
1: someone, find someone and throw him on LTIR. No problem.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, Brendan Tanev, that uh, mm. hangnail looks pretty rough right now. You want to sit <laughs> out for
1: six months of your career? They thing? do have three goalies on their roster, too. Oh, three, four, five. three, four, got eight defensemen listed. Yeah, like, 3.5 yeah, yeah, for Chris Dreger. You can find a few ways yeah. to create a little bit of extra money if you need to. But I do like Seattle as a destination for Eric Carlson. And I actually yeah. like that, that package as well. Could you give it to us one more time, GVP? Yeah, I had it at uh, Carlson, 50%
3: retained by uh, San Jose there. And then it's a 2024 first-round pick, a twenty
0: four third third-round pick, Vince Dunn and Shane Wright San Jose receives. Mm-hmm. And then if you're San Jose, I think you're telling Vince Dunn, "Hey, um rent. Don't don't buy we uh, yeah, yeah, we're going yeah. to just another spot. We're just going to find a new home for you, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't don't
1: get attached." Apparently Vince Dunn doesn't have trade protection on his new contract. Oh, hilarious. Which like it's the NHL. You would expect that he would. Yeah, yeah. it's like a deal over $7 right? dollars. Yeah. <laughs> you gave him four years and over six million dollars, and
0: you didn't have to give him a no trade. Modified no trade for Justin Schultz. I don't know what you're talking about with too many no trade
1: clauses being handed out. <laughs> Where Brian Dumoulin? Yeah. Look at their forward group. Everybody's got a modified no trade. Brandon Tanev. Alexander Wenberg, Jared McCann, Yanni Gord, Oliver Bjork, Jaden Schwartz, though, and Jordan they, Eberle.
2: How many were attached to them when they came over well, from their.
1: Jaden Schwartz, they signed. Yeah. Alexander Wenberg, they signed.
2: Yeah. Then Ale- the rest were all attached to when they ex- took them in the expansion draft Yeah.
0: or traded for them. That 10 of one is good. Like Bra- Brandon Tenner's is fine. I don't know if I'm really needing that extra but step Pitt- to lock that one in.
2: <laughs> Pittsburgh yeah. gave him a no move or a no trade. Yeah. I guess.
0: Yeah. All right.
1: That's what you got to do. <laughs> and then let him get gotta, moved. That's what you got to do to get players to play with Sid and Gino. Right? It's yeah. tough. <laughs> Real tough. All right. You got another one back there?
3: Yeah, I got another one. This one's a little bit more outlandish, I would say. I, like, I like outlandish. kind okay. of felt like what this segment was about. Anyway, I got a three-team trade involving... Oh, yes. Those are hard. Those are hard to do. The Blue Jackets, the Sharks, and the Toronto Maple Leafs, so... The Maple Leafs are shipping out William Nylander here. He's going to Columbus.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and okay, wait. You said the Blues, the Sharks. No, no, the no. Le- the Blue
3: Jackets. The Blue Jackets. The, sh- the Sharks. Did I say Blues? I meant no, blue, no, jackets, blue, jacket. Jacket. Okay, right. blue Jackets. Blue Jackets. i trying to keep sharks, here. Sharks and the Maple Leafs. Uh-huh. So the Leafs are shipping out Willie Nylander. He's going to Columbus. That's who um, Columbus is going to be accepting in this deal. They're going to be moving out Jack Rossovich, uh, Yegor Shinnikov. And a 20-24 first-round pick. Uh, that is going to be going to San Jose. San Jose takes on Roslovich, Shinikov, and a first-round pick. They move out Eric Carlson. He ends up in Toronto. And that's kind of how it all shakes down.
1: So Toronto gives up William Nylander. They end up with Eric Carlson with some money retained. Mm-hmm. You get three solid pieces out of Columbus. Shinikov's a former first. Roslovic is a scrub. And a first-round pick. <laughs> and a first-round yeah. pick. And, and the
3: Blue Jackets receive Willie Kneelander. Hey, you know,
0: like I don't know you, if it's that you, outland. Like I, I when think you put
1: it like way. that, it feels
0: relatively simple. I think it's pretty landish. Actually, did you actually. run that
3: through the Lee? Yeah, calculation.
1: It worked. Yes. Okay. This wow. trade has
3: met the Central Registry's Hell trade yeah. checklist.
1: <laughs> wow, good for you. I like that. That would um that felt, would stir up a little bit of noise. I felt very NHL GM there. Yeah. Like yeah, that like actually Fred works. Be a
3: pro mode or whatever.
1: Really
0: yeah. well. Thank you.
1: I think San Jose makes out like bandits with a first round pick and, and Yeah. That's a nice little addition. And yep. I think that if you can get that for Eric Carlson, given the deal that he's on, yep. you should be very happy. Mm-hmm. Yep. William Nylander out, but you get Eric Carlson. Like the, the one place that I look at this is I say the Leafs are, are probably getting the short end of this. They are,
2: they are getting, uh... they're
1: giving up the best player unless Carlson comes in at $6 million. Mm-hmm. And even then, yeah,
0: or if Carlson just is this guy again, like if if he the, just figured it out if again, if the fall off was injury related <laughs> and now he's gone and got some weird things done and all of a sudden he's fine, like if if we are to assume that, then it works out very well. I am not one to assume that. Um, I think you are just gleefully whistling past the graveyard if you're doing that, but um, it, like it fits kind of a need for Toronto and like it. I think it makes a lot of th- work. you know what. Lander with uh, Goudreau and Columbus would be quite fun.
1: <sighs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna, you know, move this forward to the next uh the next level. We'll bring it to Luke Gazdick. How All about right. that? Yeah. I think it's that good, G V P. Thank you. Thank well, congratulations. Uh sharpen up your resume. I'm sure there's teams looking for some AGM intern or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. Bring in some youth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, got to get some youth. Uh, hey, before we get to break and before we get to Luke Gastic, got to let you guys know the Rogers Jays Care Celebrity Golf Classic is coming back to Calgary Thursday, August the 3rd at the Winston Golf Club. We'll do the burning show live uh, from the Winston that day. We did it last year. It was a ton of fun. They had Jays gets in. Um, the tournament itself is uh, I played in a scramble last year. We got rained out, I think. Um, but nevertheless, sense. it was a lot of fun out there uh, having a great time with the crew. It's the annual golf tournament. It's going to include some Blue Jays alumni, other Calgary sports celebrities in support of Challenger Baseball, which was specifically designed to empower children, youth, and adults living with physical and or cognitive disabilities. For more information or to donate, you can visit JaysCareGolf. C A. Love me a late season golf tournament. Lots of fun. Uh, Luke Gaskin set to join us in just a handful of minutes. Here, we'll give him a call and uh, run a few trade thoughts by him. Ask him about Patrice Bergeron's retirement and a couple other things as well. As we continue here, it's hour two of the Big Show live from Doug Lacey Basement Systems Downtown Studio on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to the Big Show on the
0: official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Welcome back to the show. We are in the midst of our two big show, Russick and Rose, no George Russick, Maddie Rose, Peter Klein, Patty Dumas, GVP. Thanks for taking some time this morning. We're live in the Doug Lacey Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free Estimate. We go down the Atlas SpeedSend Sports podcast Hotline for the first time this morning to have a chat with Luke Gazdick from SportsNet and the Mitsoff podcast, former NHLer. My man, how's it going?
4: Good. What's happening, guys? Uh,
1: chilling. No complaints over here. Just enjoying the summer as best that we can. Uh, hey, we were doing something a little crazy earlier, a little crazy and wild, given that it's the off season. Um, we had uh Our boy GVP on the other side of the glass created some trade proposals for us and uh, threw them out there. And uh, he came up with an intriguing three-way trade that stopped us in our tracks and thought, you know what? This might actually work. There's maybe one hang up here. I wanted to run it by you. Um, Obviously, totally hypothetical, not rooted in rumors or anything like that. But the deal was this. William Nylander goes from the Toronto Maple Leafs to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Jack Roslovic, Yegor Chinikov and a first-round pick go to the San Jose Sharks. And Eric Carlson, with half his salary retained,
4: go to the Toronto Maple Leafs. What say you? Oh, man. I don't mind that, actually. I never liked three-way trades because I never understood how they worked, though.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I always got confused at who was going where. But honestly, Willie's been a thorn I don't want to say a thorn in my side as a Leafs fan for a while, because to be honest, he's one of the only guys that's performed in the playoffs. He's he scores, uh, he scored some pretty clutch goals. He just uh, drives me with the work ethic every now and then. Mm. But hey, man, you don't get uh, you don't get a chance to have a Norris Trophy winner on your blue line every uh, every year. And man, would he look good in the blue and white? I, I would take that. I think um, I think it could be time for the Leafs to be moving on from Willie here.
1: It feels like they have to make a decision on somebody, doesn't it? And the John Tavares contract is going to be the hardest one to move and, and, you know, captain heartbeat type of stuff. So I don't know if that's the direction you want to go. Mitch Marner's already inked. (sighs) You you turn to Austin Matthews and Willie Nylander and, and William, like for a lot of the time he's been in Toronto, when you talk about the big four, he kind of feels like the fourth.
4: Yeah, I think so, and um, I think that's just for Leaf fans too, right? Johnny Johnny's going to be the captain. I'll probably be the captain, and we'll be playing hockey, ending in a Leaf in a Leaf jersey. Um, but I've always felt that I think you're right that Willie's been a, a little bit on on the outside. I think Brad did a great job of bringing in some guys on one year deals, and that's yeah. what he's going to have to do. Is is Especially, they're both southern Ontario guys, and I think he's going to be playing to the heartstrings of a lot of those guys, saying, "Hey, do you want to come back home and play for your hometown team? Sign a one-year deal on a, you know, uh, on a little bit of a guess—you call it a discount." But if uh, if those core four are taking up as much money as as they're going to, it's it's going to be about finding those other pieces that are going to maybe want to take a little bit less to come play here.
1: Do you think that this Toronto Blue Line, as constructed, is good enough? They added John Klingberg in the off season. They brought in Jake McCabe in the uh, or at the trade deadline back there, and he's got a new looking contract. Or part of me, this one was already signed when he was acquired. But what do you think of this Leafs Blue Line? Is it going to be good enough?
4: Yeah, I actually don't mind their Blue Line. it's just it's a little inconsistent, and it was last year. I love the Jake McCabe edition. I've always loved Morgan Riley. People love to scapegoat him here in Toronto. But um, I think I've just I've liked the way he's been over the years. TJ Brody's a guy that gets a lot of flack here, uh, and rightfully so. I think sometimes he's he's had a couple rough nights, but for the majority, he's a pretty consistent player back there. Um, the Klingberg one, I'm not sure about that addition, guys. I I don't want to say his best hockey might be behind him, but. From watching him play a couple games last year, he's not really that same Dallas star. I was with him when he was real young. He got drafted to Dallas a year, a year or two after me, so he was down in Texas a little bit when I was there. Uh, and his best days might be behind be behind him. I think if there's anything that's gonna bring the bring the lease down, it probably is that blue line.
0: Uh, switching gears here, someone who was, uh, as you put before, a thorn in the side of the Leafs for about 19 years, uh, Patrice Bergeron announcing his retirement. Uh, I guess just your thoughts on the, the career of one of the best defensive uh, forwards we've seen in the National Hockey League.
4: Yeah, Bergeron was so cool for me to watch when I was growing up. Um, even though I kind of grew up as a more physical you know, tougher guy. There were still so many players like that that you love to watch and respect in the league. And Patrice was one of those for me. And it was even cooler when I got to play in the league and got to go down to, to TD Garden and um, we got to host host Boston uh, in Edmonton in a, a couple times. And getting to be on the same ice as them was truly for me one of the most. I, I tried not to get starstruck. I used to have veterans who make get on me a lot because <laughs> I remember Teddy personally used to give me crap about. You know trying not to be too uh too wide-eyed in front of some of these guys but patrice was one of those guys where when i got on the out uh, out on the ice with him sorry it was like oh man like this is it's this is really cool now i got a backpack though uh, <laughs> and, uh he was uh he was just one of those guys who he never you just felt like he never did anything wrong like on the ice off the ice and i, I thought it was so cool that i got to sit down with taylor hall one of my old teammates who you guys obviously know and I asked him about Patrice, and it was just the same same things you'd expect to hear, just the, the ultimate guy, the ultimate teammate, the ultimate leader there. Um, so everything you hear is, is good as well from that perspective we
0: were saying in here before how frustrating must it have been for star players to have to go up against him. Cause you're used to kind of having a, a bit of room. And then like you said, it's like he teleports just into the best absolute position every time. Um, how do you have any uh, stories of your teammates getting frustrated playing against uh, Bergeron
4: uh, boy, Gordon? I'll never forget that. He, uh, Gordon was like number two or three in the league. I might have just made that stat up, but he was very high in the league in faceoffs. Yeah. I think it was my rook- in my rookie year. He was always there, D-zone faceoffs. but I believe one night he was just getting roasted by Patrice, <laughs> and he was so mad because that's what he took. For guys like that, I-, I love that about Gordo. Like He took so much pride in his face-offs. He signed a four-year, $3 million contract essentially to win face-offs, and chip in, uh with a couple points every now and then, but he was just getting roasted by Patrice and he just kept coming back to the bench and I just remember him saying he's like I don't know what to do he's he's got me in every like every position both sides I don't know what to do and I just remember thinking that was cool that one of the best face-off guys in the league was was having trouble against somebody else
1: that kind of puts into perspective what Patrice did because he could score he could you know work a power play short you name it but this was a guy who in the league and you mentioned I remember the numbers for him he he used to be one of the top face off guys all the time but Patrice would just come in and it was just another part of his arsenal like that must have just been part of the awe-inspiring factor of being around Patrice Bergeron when he was a player.
4: For sure it's just one of those guys who does everything so well and uh, I think the penultimate clip for him was I saw yesterday I think it was a Pat Kane breakaway and he chased him down probably 180 feet stick lift turned around through a cross ice soft pass to uh, brad marchand for a for a uh, a breakaway goal and it's just like that's him in a nutshell right he can do it in both ends of the ice uh just honestly one of the one of the coolest players that i got to play against for sure and um and in, in my career
1: that line in itself because you you know playing against patrice would have been annoying as is and then it's brad marchand on the other side like that that would have been no fun
4: oh man that. That Bruins team, what used to be a nightmare. I did Milan Lucic and Zdeno Chara, oh, uh, you know, Krejci still in the middle, but, um, again, was there as well. And they're the, the uh, what they call the wine, the whatever, the maroon line was, uh, Sean Thornton yep. and Greg Campbell. And it was just like a nightmare playing that Bruins team in the mid to early 2000s. They were so tough and they were built so well. I just remember going into TD Garden for my very first game was, I was so nervous that I just, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to fight for shift. I got to get one out of the way. So I asked Sean Th- Thornton the very first shift and uh, got a scrap out of the way because I just remember being so nervous to play against those guys.
0: And if you got through everyone, their goaltenders didn't suck either, hey?
4: huh? No, man. They had they had it all. And uh I always say this about uh buildings. Uh people say what well, was the most intimidating building to go in. And maybe, you know, Montreal and New York were cooler for me, but in Boston, man, everybody wears jerseys. The seats are black and yellow, the the visiting dressing room is right underneath the stands and it's and it's really small and compact. Just everything about going in there was really really intimidating for a player
0: so all of that is to say it's tough to just replace that dude um we, we've been looking at it here for a couple of days obviously with uh, Elias Lindholm comparisons and whatnot um is Lindholm one of the ones who you think might be at the the top of the wish list or how does Boston try to go about replacing Bergeron now
4: man I don't know how you do it I think for me it's just question marks now uh, there I looked at some projected lines for them I saw Pavel Zaka in the number one center spot and I played with in Jersey. <laughs> He's a great player, but I just don't think that's a number one uh, center in the league right now. Um, they'll probably be looking at guys like that um, on expiring deals and, and looking at what they can do. I said yesterday to someone, I was like, they are going to be a mess next year. You know, there's still, there's still a little bit of time before the season gets going here. So I think they might shuffle a couple more things around, but I don't know, man, a lot of question marks in Boston.
0: Uh, another big center in the news as uh, Sebastian Ajo signs a, a lengthy and expensive uh, extension, but we were saying before at 9.75 for Ajo, it almost feels like you might've like undervalued him a little bit. Uh, well, what did you make of the, the contract for Ajo?
4: I wasn't sure what I thought until like, you start reading Twitter and the, the, the stats come out of the woodwork and it talks about how many goals he has since he's came in the league and the amount that, out of other uh, they were here a slew of other guys including Braden Point and and all these huge guys barkov and he's got more goals than all of them it's it's another team we don't i until i worked in sports media that i didn't see a lot of and that was the carolina Hurricanes. i remember calling jeff Merrick one one broadcast and being like you need to tell me about the canes here because i i'm watching them play the oilers today and i need a little bit just because you don't see a lot of them in the in the media and goes exactly for a guy like Sebastian Ajo. And then you start watching and you start respecting and you're like, holy, this is, not only is this a really good player and probably worth every penny, but that Kane's team is is pretty darn good too.
1: Well, he reminds me a little bit of Alexander Barkov a few years ago, especially out West here, right? Like we didn't watch a lot of Florida, but Barkov, you always knew he was a good player, but didn't really appreciate him until, you know, he got in the playoffs and, and kind of showed what he could do there without all the eyes on him. Sebastian Aho feels like a very similar type of guy where Carolina didn't necessarily have an eyes on them. They've almost had this little rebranding in the last half decade, which has made them a, an intriguing team to follow. And Sebastian Ajo is one of those guys that, you know, for a long time was probably, oh, right in the conversation for one of the most underrated players in the NHL. But now it's reached the point where we know that this guy is a star player.
4: Oh, for sure. And I think it just doesn't strike you right away, right? Because yeah. he's not an overly big guy. He's not overly physical. He's fast, but you know he's not McKinnon McDavid fast, and he just does everything so well. I feel like we're going back to Bergeron is that this guy can play on both ends mm-hmm. of the block incredibly incredibly um, poised and also incredibly clutch. Like the amount of times I've seen him come up in big time moments in games and and in playoff situations, uh, he's been there for his team, you know, every step of the way. And I think it's so cool. when guys finally get their due. Uh, I know that's a little bit of a pun with Hmm. the contract, but even just in sense of notoriety and, and getting your name out there a little more, I think it's really cool. When guys finally start getting their due and people start realizing the the, the, the player that uh, that the player really is.
1: There's only, like, I would say maybe a dozen guys that are kind of like him in the NHL. Top-line center, can score at a almost point-per-game pace, kills penalties on your number-one unit, on your first unit power play. There's only a handful of guys, and I feel like they're always a little bit more um, celebrated maybe by the team, people around the team, than even fans of the team, because they're not... <laughs> It's it's not like Austin Matthews, who's going to go out and score forty five goals this year, but he's going to go out. He's going to produce enough goals, and he's going to affect every single aspect of the game. How key is it to have just one of those guys on your team because they're they're rare.
4: I know. I I, I go right right back to Leon all the time in yeah. Edmonton, and even at such a young age, um, I'm pumping the pod. But I had Darnell on, and we talked about the same thing about people didn't realize for. I think a couple of years, it took the league a couple of years to get on notice with Leon, but we kind of knew what we had. And even at a young age, it was both ends of the puck, and, um, and just starting to get that to be that physically dominant presence. But guys like that are so undervalued on the defensive side because everyone loves to see goals and they love to see the dangles and, and top shelf shots and two on ones. But Guys in the dressing room. I'm I'm looking, especially if you're, let, let's say you're out in the game and you're watching uh, from the stands. You're watching defensive plays. You're watching face offs. You're watching uh, battles down low, and and you're watching the matchups too. I always used to love watching these centers take on and seeing what matchup the uh, visiting coach was going to give them, especially on the road where they had last change, and seeing how those guys would handle it. And I still do. I I love seeing matchups and um, seeing the way different guys. Uh, change and and pivot their game to to what city they're in and what team they're playing against. It's um it's just another really cool thing about you know getting to play pro hockey and in the NHL and and getting to be with guys like that in the dressing room on a daily basis.
0: I want to go back to something you said earlier where uh, facing the Boston Bruins, you know, like I just I needed to get a fight out of the way just to, to feel a bit more calm. W- were there times in your career where someone challenged you and you were aware like, oh, this guy needs to like get a little bit calm. I'm not going to give him this fight now, like second or third period we will get you. But I know what you're trying to do and you're not going to do it against me.
4: Oh, 100 uh, percent, because for me, it was all situational, right? It was. It was, where are we physically? Like, are we on the road? Are we at home? First period, second period, third period. How close to the playoffs? What's our record? There were so many things that you instantaneously think in, like, a three-second span when someone asks you a fight. But I kind of pretty much know that while I'm on the bench. Before I go out, if I see them put fourth line out, I'm looking at the clock. Is this a good time? Um, Because I know what he's doing as well. And I used to, like, let... Letting things kind of just develop. Um, sometimes I was so nervous where I would just do that, um, but it's all situational for me. And um, sometimes, sometimes I, I would say no. But I'll, I'll tell you what, it's very, it was very hard for me to say no in that situation, no matter what the situation was. So, he's <laughs> saying all that, if someone lined up and was like, "Hey, you want to go?" I'd be like, "Ah, we're up to nothing. We're on the road." you be like, come on, man, give me one big guy, fine. Well, whatever. But <laughs> well, you put uh, it that I think, way, I guess. Yeah. But by that point, and, and I don't, I'm not trying to kind of pump myself up, but, like, I was confident enough in my abilities as a tough guy and as an enforcer that I wasn't losing a lot, and it, I knew that I could probably, you know, gain some momentum here as well. So it, it was it was up to me being confident in my own abilities, but there were certainly times, like, and even coaches kind of held you back a little bit too. Like, yeah. uh, I'll give you a specific one. Well, there were specific ones I remember 1 nothing in Phoenix. We were on a back to back, and Paul Bissonette had asked me to go. And I could literally hear Matt T from my bench yelling, No, guys, <laughs> stay out there. Don't let him. Don't let him bring you in. Uh so I remember like kind of little ones like that guys it was all situational but at the same time man it was really hard for me to say no
1: How hard was it to not fight Biz? cuz I'm sure you know we we everyone knows what he's like uh, I'm yeah, sure that he was I, just being very gentle about asking you to go
4: I know he, and you know what he uh he's a southern ontario guy too yeah. I I never met him but we kind of knew about each other and uh I never got the chance to I don't even think I played another game against him after that. So mm-hmm. never got to scrap him in my career. So I kind of look back and people say, you yeah, have no regrets. Heck, I wish I would have just dropped him that one, uh, <laughs> that one shift <laughs> one night <laughs> in, in Glendia. Uh, but hey, I uh, fought enough other guys to, to make up for it. So
1: Awesome. Uh, what's going on with the podcast? You mentioned Darnell Nurse episode is the most recent one out. Can you tease who your next guest is going to be? Can you give us a little insight?
4: guys i'm not gonna lie i can't tease because i don't even know oh <laughs> it's fair it's, uh, it's kind of like um i i had a basically a short list of eight to ten guys and we've kind of just been going off of guys schedules here in the summer i've had the uh the opportunity to you know live here in toronto and have so many guys be here in the off season as a hub and um asking different guys to come in after their skates in the morning or the afternoon and um, as of yesterday night, I checked this morning, it's the number four sports pod in Canada and number two in hockey, just trailing chiclets. So, um, making our way up the charts after four episodes, but I will give you a little tease that I think one of the next two episodes will be a Calgary flame. Oh, so, nice. um, so that, Fine. uh, that,
1: that he is the,
4: <laughs> he's, he's supposed to be, he's, he's on the list. So I'm hoping to get that one done, uh, Uh, in august here and uh give you guys uh give you guys a flame on the pod but yeah check it out apple spotify youtube we're uh starting to starting to climb up the charts so check it out i think you'll like it guys it's just good open honest conversation and hearing about guys journeys and a little bit you know probably about hockey players and and the guys that i have on like you won't hear in in kind of normal media settings uh, always have an appreciation
1: for players interviewing players because I think you can just get so much more natural kind of dialogue from the guys who are in the game if you've been in the game. So just keep up the great work, man. We really uh, think you're doing great. Keep it up. Talk to you soon. hey. Thanks, guys. Appreciate having me on. There you go. This is Luke Gazdick uh, from Sportsnet does the Off podcast. Uh, the best place to consume it, as he's mentioned, is via YouTube because it's got a, a visual component. Nice. But he's also putting it via podcast, um, Google, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, which ironically is where you can find the first hour of the big show with Russell and Rose. But it's actually got Peter Klein and Matty Rose and P- Patty Dumas and, and GVP on it. The whole first hour. It's up there right now. All
0: of it.
2: Yeah, an hour or two will be there soon. Whoa. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, 15 minutes, maybe. Yeah, working guard. hard. Working hard. He's, he's, working. he's working. hard. Get
0: to work. I mean, he's already changed the face of three NHL franchises today. I don't know <laughs> what more we need from him. But
1: yeah, did you email that out to? <laughs> yeah. Brad and Yarmo and. Yeah, I'm on a text chain. I'm, yeah. in, I'm, I'm the, <laughs> in the GM. I'm in <laughs> the GM WhatsApp. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Very nice. Hey, guys, just an uh, idea. Whose number is this? <laughs> <laughs> just stopping by. Just yeah, thought of a few yeah. things. Anyone interested? Or? Just dropping by. Yeah. Uh, y'all sleeping or what? Um, hey, he joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner. 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. Around the corner, Shy Davidi joins Talking Blue Jays next. Trade deadline coming up. And uh, a series with the LA Angels over the weekend. We'll get into it with Shy around the corner right here on your home for the Blue Jays. Sports at 960 The Fan.